And we're hoping that the more people we can bring on board to get more buy-in, that can hopefully help move the needle in accepting that the mouth is part of the body so that we can really change policies to maybe include more dental into medical or health coverage in general. That was Tian Zhang, one of our guests this week from SIPCO, the HMS Center for Integration of Primary Care and Oral Health. As everyone in primary care knows, oral health care in the United States can be really difficult to access. Tian Zhang, DMD, MED, an instructor of oral health policy and epidemiology at the Harvard School of Dental Medicine, and Christine Reedy, PhD, MPH, a researcher with SIPCO and the Delta Dental Associate Professor in Oral Public Health and Epidemiology, also at the dental school, join us today to talk about their work, their research, and their vision of oral health and primary care integration. I'm Audrey Provenzano, and this is Review of Systems from the Harvard Center for Primary Care. Check our website, primarycare.hms.harvard.edu, and click on ROS Podcast along the top to subscribe or find more information about our show, our guests, and a link to the SIPCO website and an archive of our previous podcasts, including an interview with Mary Otto, a health journalist who has covered oral health in her career and recently wrote a book devoted to oral health in the United States entitled Teeth. Thanks for listening. And welcome to both of you to the show. Thank you so much for coming. And can you briefly introduce yourselves? Thank you for having us, Audrey. Uh, it's very nice to be on the podcast. My name is Christine Reedy. And I am, uh, as you had mentioned, uh, Delta Dental of Massachusetts Associate Professor in Oral Public Health and Epidemiology at the Harvard School of Dental Medicine. I'm also the chair of the Department of Oral Health Policy and Epidemiology and one of the uh, co-principal investigators for the Center to Integrate Primary Care and Oral Health. Hi, and I am Tian Jang. I am a dentist specialized in prosthodontics, and I am a full-time instructor at the Harvard School of Dental Medicine, where I conduct research with Dr. Reedy with SIPCO and also in global health, and I also teach and practice at the Harvard Dental Center. Wonderful. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about your organization, SIPCO. So SIPCO is a HRSA-funded, uh, HRSA's Health Resources and Services Administration-funded center. It's one of six center, centers that's funded, and our focus area is oral health. Other focus areas for other centers cover things like behavioral health, social determinants of health, and as well as uh, several others. Uh, the unique thing about SIPCO is that we um, are actually a grouping of institutions and individuals who are focused on oral health integration and primary care. And uh, we're lucky, lucky enough to work with um, our Harvard Medical School colleagues at the Center for Primary Care, as well as the, uh, the University of Massachusetts Medical School and, and then individual colleagues at State University of New York Stony Brook campus and the Mass College Pharmacy of Health Sciences University, as well as other individuals as well. But um, it's, it's a, a unique group in that we work collaboratively on our projects that we undertake during the course of the funding opportunity. So... Tian, I wanted to start with you. You're a practicing dentist. 
I wondered if you could share with us a story about one of your patients that helped to spur your interest in primary care and oral health integration. Sure. So my first exposure to integration was actually during my training, my pre-doctoral training at the Harvard School of Dental Medicine. We trained with our medical colleagues during our first two years at the dental school, uh, but we had also a very strong emphasis on the patient's overall health throughout our clinical years in our third and fourth years. So to me, there was nothing else than, than integration from the very beginning of my training. Hmm. Uh, but the story of a current patient is uh, actually someone who has a pretty complicated medical history, including osteoporosis and depression, uh, also with a combination of a lot of dental findings, like dry mouth and dental pain. And I came to realize that a lot of this was integrating both medical and dental concerns for this patient um, involving some decayed and missing teeth and also some functional concerns and symptoms, such as angular colitis and difficulty chewing. So it was actually this patient that was a reminder to me that the integration of not only my um, dental background, my general dental background, but also my prosthodontic specialty training as well as my medical background is really important in approaching her care in a holistic and integrated way. So mm. I've had to work a lot with her PCP and also her social worker to make sure that she has the best treatment plan and care moving forward. Hmm. So given how divorced oral health and primary care are in the United States in reality, it's hard to imagine what oral health and primary care integration might look like. So when you talk about that, what do you mean? So, Audrey, we, when we talk about integration um, of oral health into primary care, specifically for SIPCO, we're really focused on education uh, and particularly evaluating the education of oral health and primary care training. But uh, the long-term goal is to think about the integration of oral health into primary care at the level of education, uh, both undergraduate education, medical and dental undergraduate training, as well as uh, residency and postdoctoral training. And then also to think about it in terms of clinical practice and then uh, policy as well. And that in order to make any measurable change, really making changes at the educational, the practice, and the policy level uh, needs to happen, uh, and uh, it needs to happen in a concerted way. Hmm. Tian, do you have anything to add? So something in addition to what Dr. Reedy was talking about is in the education piece of what we're doing, we're really interested in integration from also all the primary care disciplines and, and including dentistry in that too. So we're looking at interprofessional education or IPE for short, and we're looking also at integration of uh, other healthcare professionals such as nursing and pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And as we'll discuss later, we, we have some research that we have done and conducted with, with these other um, disciplines as well. And so that's kind of our vision is seeing that this is more team-based care and this IPE in general. Uh, and we're kind of hoping that oral health can be at the table as well. Hmm. It's funny. In primary care, we've really been focusing the last 
you know, probably 10 years on behavioral health and primary care integration. And what that looks like is a lot of co-location with us being in the same clinic, trying to have regular meetings and um, really share care in a very intense daily way. So I guess, you know, when I think about integration, that's kind of what I go to because it's just the model I've seen. There is a little bit of that, I think, in pediatrics. It's um, become, I think, increasingly common that fluoride varnish is applied in many pediatrics offices, especially community health centers. Do you think that there is any way that we might start seeing integration kind of along those lines in adult medicine as well? So as you had mentioned, in terms of integrating oral health into primary care, uh, pediatricians really uh, were, were one of the early adopters of uh, integrating oral health into their practice with respect to uh, basic screening as well as applying fluoride varnish, uh, particularly during the, the well-child visits. Mm-hmm. Um, where we see the possibility for adult care are in populations or individuals who have chronic uh, comorbid conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that there is a link between, a bidirectional link between periodontal disease and diabetes. And uh, this is an area where potentially integrating oral health uh, screening, uh, basic screening, um, connecting diabetic patients with oral health providers to make sure that their periodontal status um, is, uh, is uh, under control um, because that can have an impact on, on their glycemic control. And so that's one particular area with, uh, with adult care that we think it is um, an important focus in terms of the integration of oral health. Hmm. And, we, and also to add, we also understand that, you know, there's a lot of demands on, on all healthcare providers, and we're not expecting everyone to be experts in, in oral health, but one thing that we could see is maybe adding, you know, the mouth to the head and neck exam and, and are asking questions and, and just kind of learning a little bit more about the mouth. And same thing for our dental providers. We're hoping to educate them in the same way where we're doing a comprehensive medical screening and maybe even, you know, taking blood pressure and, and doing blood tests. So we're, we're hoping that we're bridging the gap a little bit, but we're not expecting, you know, everyone to become experts in, in all areas. Hmm. I have to say, pediatricians always lead the way. <laughs> They're outside <laughs> on everything. So there, you know, as we kind of alluded to in some of our discussion, it's just really difficult to access routine dental care in the United States. Can you talk about some of the barriers? You know, why can't, why isn't it easy just to send someone to the dentist? So there there are a lot of barriers out there and it, it can get quite confusing, but one of the things that ties into our work is access to dental care is actually really at the center of what SIPCO is trying to do. So through our research and dissemination of the best practices that we're focusing on education, we're hoping that SIPCO can provide recommendations to providers and patients. And also another part of our organization that we think is really important is our communities of practice. So we're hoping that everyone together will be able to affect these policies so that they can disrupt these structural issues. Because a lot of the time what we find is that there might be misinformation or uh, challenging insurance hurdles to uh, to 
overcome or figuring out with your health plan benefits and such. It's very confusing, and we're hoping that the more people we can bring on board to get more buy-in from listeners like the people on this podcast, that can hopefully help move the needle in accepting that the mouth is part of the body so that we can really change policies to maybe include more uh, dental into medical or health coverage in general. Hmm. We know, we recognize that those are huge barriers and, you know, structural and systemic issues. So that's why we're hoping that the work from our organization can really help, like I said, move the needle in, in this acceptance. So I also think there's a lot of blurring and opacity around what, you know, basic dental care really should be and what is typically covered even for people who are able to get dental insurance and then what is elective or cosmetic. And that really can can make it, it can just make it more complicated to access dental care. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. I know that as a provider here at the Harvard Dental Center, I try my best to understand also the insurance side as much as I can in combination with our staff here who can really talk to our patients about it. But I can talk in general about it. It depends on the person's insurance plan. Mm, like everything. Harvard, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I try not to limit it at that because I'm trying to understand, you know, give all the information to my patients because I, I understand. We're living in a world where we're comparing prices on lots of different things online and whatnot. And so I want to give our patients here the same kind of opportunity. So generally, preventative visits are covered at 100%. And that is typically, for example, a comprehensive exam every five or so years and maybe a yearly periodic oral exam where a dentist will come in and make sure that uh, everything looks okay and there aren't any new cavities or diseases to take care of, and cleanings every six months, six months, and routine x-rays, and sometimes even uh, deep cleanings that can happen maybe more regularly than every six months. And then on top of that, depending on your coverage, other work such as fillings or crowns or dentures or extractions, they can be covered anywhere from 50 to 100%. Hmm. On top of that, there's a kind of a discussion of your max benefits usually, and that, that'll range by company and by plan. Um, but that is kind of your, your max benefit for the year, and generally that goes uh, from January to December. And so having this discussion with your provider and really with the, the staff to figure out how much you've used of your benefits and how much coverage you should get is really going to help inform the patient of, of moving forward in their treatment. Hmm. And the best way to really know about what your insurance will cover is meeting with your dentist, talking through your options in terms of your clinical care, and then your dentist will put together a treatment plan in combination with all your x-rays and your exams, and that can be sent to your insurance for a pre-estimate. And the dentist will put in exact codes for each procedure. The dentist knows how much those fees are, but sometimes the dentist will not tell you exactly how much they think the insurance will give back, because that really is a lot of negotiating, figuring out prices that we don't want to mislead our patients. So the best way is to send a pre-estimate in, and then the insurance can send you what they will cover. Mm. And sometimes there's 
little bit of a mismatch, but I do believe that that does help a little bit with the transparency. And you can figure out treatment plans and codes, you know, procedure by procedure and figuring out what it should cost, what insurance should reimburse you. And then lastly, the part about whether it's uh, elective or cosmetic or necessary, that, of course, depends on the clinical scenario um, and the combination of the exam, the x-rays, and any further diagnostic tools that are needed. But, you know, that is also subjective to the patient. Maybe one patient finds something elective, but another might find it necessary, and I try not to judge that and just use my clinical decision-making during the exam. Hmm. So I think that, you know, more oral health and primary care integration is intuitive and, you know, I imagine most folks in primary care and in oral health care would like our systems to be more integrated so we can communicate better with one another and um, collaborate on care better. How do we make the case to payers and policymakers that this should be a priority? So as we had mentioned previously, Research studies show that oral and overall, overall health are linked, such as diabetes and uh, periodontal disease or gum disease. And furthermore, that tooth loss can lead to uh, major quality of life issues, such as uh, nutrition as well as employment capability. As medicine and dentistry get more and more specialized, it's important to think about our healthcare system as a whole and think about how we can improve patient outcomes as well as helping providers improve their own, their own workflow. Uh, at SIPCO, we believe that integrating the mouth back into the body is a productive way to approach this problem by approaching it from uh, a whole person perspective. Uh, and, and that also includes, um, you know, we, we're talking about incorporating oral health into primary care, but also understand that in terms of uh, providing dental care, the dentists should understand oral, the oral systemic connection. They should understand the impact of behavioral health, particularly related to uh, substance use disorder, and, um, and that they should be aware of the social determinants of health in which their patients live. SIPCO is charged by HRSA really with a research agenda. Uh, So I know you're in the midst of a number of projects. What are some of your important findings so far and what questions are you currently studying? Uh, So as you mentioned, uh, SIPCO is funded by HRSA, the Health Resources and Services Administration. And it's uh, funded under the uh, Bureau of Health Workforce. Um, and the, the focus is on uh, primary care training. So we, as I had mentioned, we're looking, at, uh, we're looking at the educational efforts around integrating oral health into primary care. Um, what we did within the first year really is to take a, an environmental scan of what educational efforts have been made and so with our uh, team at uh, UMass uh, Medical School, uh, we've conducted uh, 13 different surveys across the various disciplines in primary care, as well as medical and dental schools, and examined their uh, oral health curriculum within the programs. And 
in general, what we found that is that most programs are teaching an average of approximately one to three hours uh, of oral health within their curriculum, and that the programs with the most integration uh, were pediatric nurse practitioners and physician assistants, and as you probably well know, the most commonly reported barrier, I should say the most commonly reported barriers were competing priorities and lack of time within the curriculum. In in the, uh, in year two, we actually took a a deeper dive uh, into the surveys and the team did qualitative interviews to get a better understanding of what people were offering in their curriculum, um, and uh, and how they were evaluating it. One thing that we noticed um, in some of the early work that that we did, uh, particularly scoping reviews, was the lack of evaluation, um, both in determining competency of the learners uh, during the program, as as well as uh, evaluation of the the overall program. And this is something that we are uh, potentially building um, a tool that would allow uh, programs or support programs who are already integrating or who would like to integrate oral health into their programs and to uh, build a tool that would also help them to evaluate it. Hmm. In, um, in our current year, which is our third year, we... Um, are also, uh, and I should say, we're uh, building this tool in our in our third year, our current year. But what we're also doing in our third year is we are taking a slightly different tack. And as I had previously mentioned, the importance of dentists understanding the oral systemic connection, behavioral health, as well as social determinants of health. And uh, we are surveying uh, both general practice residency programs and uh, advanced education general dentistry programs on uh, those three topic areas and uh, to understand what they're doing in, in their curriculum as well. Okay. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Review Systems, a podcast featuring conversations about the changing healthcare landscape from the Harvard Center for Primary Care. I'm Audrey Provenzano. Check our website, primarycare.hms.harvard.edu, and click on ROS Podcast along the top to find more information about our show, links to subscribe, and an archive of our previous shows. You can also find links to the ZipCo website and more information about our guests, Drs. Tian and Reedy. We'll also put a link to our prior show on oral health featuring the author of the book, Teeth, Mary Otto. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. It helps others find the show and share us on social media and with your friends and colleagues. You can find me on Twitter at AudreyMDMPH and our show at ROS Podcast. Tweet us feedback or suggestions, or you can email me at contact at ROSPod.org. Thanks for listening.